Hey guys, welcome to episode 136 of the podcast with my guest, young adult author Maureen Johnson. She's a total badass, so I hope you enjoy this episode. I wanted to just throw some shout outs in. I wanted to give a special shout out to Bara. Bara, what is up? I love that you're listening to the podcast, guys. This is a, a friend of mine. Um, I want to thank for your marvelous uh, email, uh, Philip. Thank you for that and for giving a special shout out to Julian and his episode. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Robin in the UK. Thanks for representing presenting in England. Uh, I had, like I had to think about what the UK was for a second. Guys, I know what it is. Come on. It's also not just England. Listen, we don't have to talk about this right now. I don't need to get into geography. I am woefully, woefully poor at that anyway. Uh, for your emails, uh, Meredith, thank you so much. Natalie, thank you. Grace, thank you for your marvelous email. And Alicia, JV Club member. Woo-woo! Um, I, uh, I think that's it, guys. I'm just deep in Sketchfest mode, as you know. Uh, looking forward to hopefully seeing some of you at the festival this year. We've got a ton of great stuff. Um, really excited about it. I almost burped, but guys, I was able to hold it in for this for this. Uh, uh, intro. That's a big feat on my part. Um, I hope you enjoy the episode and uh, I will talk to you soon. Bye. Now entering Nerdist.com. That means we can probably get started. Oh my goodness, yes. Do you have it in you? Yeah, just about, just about. This is <laughs> okay. this is the first work thing. I mean, I'm just put that in quotes that I've done in like six weeks, really. So, and 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 would you like to tell uh, the kind listeners why that is, or yeah. would you like it to keep it our special no, no, secret? I'll, I'll talk about it just because it's all I've talked to. Like I have nothing else. I've had nothing else to do, but talk, you know, when you get sick, you have nothing else to do. So you just, so yeah, yeah. sure. So, so, uh, what befell you? And also I was thinking about this. Now, this is classic Varney, by the wait, way. Wait, I have asked you a started? question. Is, is this, is this it? Yeah. We're full <gasps> on started. Oh, wow. I know. Do you want to let it sink in while I talk? Because I, what I was about to excuse myself for was classic Varney is like, why don't you tell us about, and then I won't let you talk. I'll just yeah, yeah, tell yeah. you, I love I'll just that keep part. talking. Yeah. Oh boy. It's, it's really self-serving. No, but I was, when I was, I had to drop my dogs off to get a bath. And uh, on the way back, I was thinking about you thinking it was, you know, thinking about talking to you and thinking about um, kind of what you've been going through. And thinking about myself and the fact that every time something bad happens to me, quote unquote bad, whatever, you know, if it's, especially if it's a health thing, um, I always feel like, you know, sometimes when the best things happen to you and you, you realize that from the outside, people are kind of, um, gilding it in a way that it doesn't quite feel when it's happening to you. Like it doesn't feel as great as when you see it happen to someone else. Mm -hmm. But I also think that the flip side of that for me has been that when something bad happens to me, it's never as bad as it seems from the outside. Do you know what I mean? And then have you found that to be true? Yeah, a bit. I, I, I'm mostly, I, I'm very fortunate in that I'm usually pretty healthy and that I, but I do seem to have ridiculous in this, I've had pretty ridiculous luck. Um, so I've had a few, I seem to have ridiculous health luck occasionally. Like I, for example, as a kid, I 
got measles, like which nobody does. I but I got measles. You did it. I did at my senior prom. I got measles. What? You got it at your senior prom? Yeah, that's what they did back to. And it was like whatever. I forget what the incubation period is, but they counted it back. And they're like, yep, that's your prom. Uh, so, yeah. And they were like, you have measles. That's bizarre. They they wanted to just put me in the hospital, not because I was I was sick, but just to have so the medical students could just come and look at me because they're like, no one gets measles. <laughs> we just want to look at you. And I was like, okay. So... <laughs> What, um, yeah. I, I, I'm, first of all, I want to quickly give yeah. a shout out to Paul F. Tompkins because I seem to remember from his episode, his episode that we decided that measles and mumps both sounded like movie candy. Um, I, 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 <laughs> I think, think I think of yes, lots of measles. That was, uh, I've heard every what? episode of yours. So I am oh. like, it's like you have called the super fan who's like, yes. Oh, yeah. Maureen Johnson. I can't believe it. But what did, what, did, what, are, what were the measles like? Was it like chickenpox? Uh, I've never had chickenpox. That's the other weird thing is I seem to be naturally immune Ooh. to chickenpox. They they tried to give it to me and I couldn't get it. What I, as I remember it, um, I just got really sick. All of a sudden, it was like my senior year of high school, and it was AP exam time, mm. and um, I got these high fevers. And my mother is a nurse. My mother being a nurse is like a, a key component of my life. I don't understand how people live. If my mom's not a nurse or a doctor. Like, my mom keeps my whole family alive. My mom has been like, she's like, you know, Dr. Quinn medicine woman. Like, you know, she's, she's sort of, it's the reason that like whole groups of people we know are alive is because of my mother. Um, but she was looking at me and all of a sudden I rash on the chest, shot up the face, you know, Oof. and it, she was like, holy, she knew what she was looking at. And she was like, you, you have measles. Like, this is crazy. And they they didn't know what to do at first, so they they had to take me to a pediatrician because no one else had seen me. <laughs> so they they and they you have photophobia and you have all this weird stuff that happens to you. I I remember photophobia well because I just had it a week ago because of wait something. what's photophobia? photophobia? It sounds like you're afraid a, to get your picture taken. Uh, I have that as well. But <laughs> I have Many of us do lifelong photophobia. <laughs> it's a your eyes react very strongly to light, so you have to. Ooh. So I had to go outside in like giant sunglasses. So I'm in a yes. pediatrician's office in giant sunglasses and you prima donna. Mm-hmm. It was it was sexy. It gets even better because then they took me. I it seemed like I was having trouble breathing. I didn't. It was just there's measles go down your throat. Uh, so they uh, took me. They took me to the hospital uh, and they're like, "You have measles. We can't let you be around anyone else." And so they put me in the casting room, which was like this closet in the back. Oh God! And they. Then they were like, oh, and I, you know, I was feverish and everything. And they, then they said, okay, we're going to move you down the hall to x-ray you. But first they wrapped me up so that like, they sort of wrapped me like a mummy. And then they went out in the hall and they said, you have to get all the children out of the hallway. <laughs> oh, no. And they took off. I think you just described how Michael Jackson spent most of his life. <laughs> exactly. Wrapped up like a mummy with sunglasses on. And, this is and they get all the children out of the hallway. And then they oh, took God. the gurney. And they ran me down the hall like, <laughs> far faster than you're supposed to go. So dramatic. It was so cool. And I, you know, when you're feverish, you're tripping balls as it yes. is. And so you're like, what is happening? This is the greatest thing ever, except <laughs> everything is made of triangles and I can smell colors. So. 
Oh my God. Okay. So God, there's like 18 things that I want to react to just based on that. And yeah. we haven't even gotten into what just happened to you recently. Of course, we're going to talk about your mom, but that well, really is- uh, rang true for me just a mo- because like literally yesterday, a friend of mine was saying, um, complaining about like shooting pains in his head. And he was like, God, I really have to make friends with some doctors. Yeah. Like I live in a showbiz world where I don't know anyone that I can just call who's like, you know, my bicycling buddy who happens to be a physician that you can just call and casually say, Hey, do I, do you think I have a tumor if I'm having these sh- shooting pains? And so it just makes me laugh that you just said what you said about your mom, because that, that is so something that has been in my mind recently is like, God, these people who just have buddies or family members who are medical practitioners, it seems like they won the lottery. Yeah. My mom is a super, kind of a super nurse. She's, um, she was a nursing professor and she's a school nurse oh, wow. in a school that has a lot of uh, technical shops. So there's like five automotive shops and th- three or four kitchens and two IU units of really seriously ill kids. Mm. And she's in charge of 1,100 students that have like wow. they cut off their fingers. She's yeah. like, oh, Maureen, these boys, they think they're so tough. But one <laughs> finger and one machine and they go white and they just drop to the ground. She doesn't talk like that, but you know, it'd be great if she did. Yes, it would. Oh, my, and then she goes around and she bosses the other. Oh, she, she's nice, though. She's very respectful. But when she turns on the nurse, stand back. But don't we kind of want that? I mean, we kind yes. of want that person. I mean, that's sort of I don't want to get into the sort of gender specification here, but I think the idea of uh, a a kind woman who's also very, very much in charge is something that very few of us would object to in an emergency. My mother is a flaming angel of compassion with a lot of technical knowledge. It's exciting. That's so cool. I think I might move in with her. I don't know what to do. I've I've said to her, I'm like, I think I have to become a nurse because I don't know how any... I'm someone has to carry this knowledge, right? Someone has to meet that person. My friends end up calling her. Um, like (sighs) my friend thought she was like, uh, I think she thought she may have been having a heart attack. And so we called my mom. Like we just call my mom. I I mean, that's great. Yeah. I was on vacation and a woman on our, on this little boat I was on thought she was having a heart attack. We called my mom from the boat. Like we just, oh, this is what I am talking about. I've got to get you in with your mom. mom. Like she'll, she'll, I'm gonna, she'll hook you up. What? And so what, well, let's use that to segue into what happened, uh, this round what and, this and round? was your mom the first person that you called? I'm assuming. Well, you know, it, it, I, you know what? Now when I now that I'm talking to you, I'm just backflipping through your previous podcast episodes. <laughs> but it's spooky. But I was thinking a lot about the the um the one you did with Kirsten Shaw about where she was talking about how she went in and it, like well, all the things that happened to her. I, I was going. I, it was something similar. I I had surgery. It's my, I've had I have a I have a women's medical issue that requires. Right regular surgeries it's not a big deal but uh, i have to have it done had it done two years ago i just had it done again and it really the surgery itself is not that it's not that bad it's not a big deal and Mm -hmm. i was fine i got home and i was okay and i was okay the next day and then i just had this crazy fever and they were Mm -hmm. like oh it's you know probably just an inflammatory response you have no other symptoms of anything and then i was like all right and i just kept kind of was i just never got i was never right then other stuff started to happen. And then a week later, I just fainted in my living room. 
<sighs> and then we went over to Bellevue. Uh, some we were close to there, so we went to Bellevue, which is where Bellevue is an. I wouldn't recommend going to the Bellevue ER. It is where they. I've, I've just found out where they take if people from Rikers are ill. They I no they take them to yeah adventure. So there were a lot of people who were you know handcuffed to beds. Uh, oh there my were goodness! Large police presence. Um, they couldn't figure out what was wrong. They sent me home. I got worse. Things just kept happening. Then one night I got very ill and my heart went, my heart just started going and going like a train. And I said, I think I have to go somewhere. So I went to an urgent care and I said, listen, I just need to get through that doorway. And I kind of got in the doorway and I slumped over the desk and I got in to see the doctor who just got this really funny look on her face as I was talking. And she was like, you need to lay back. Mm. And I was like, okay. And I'm like, I can't really talk because my... And she was like, I'm just going to call an ambulance. Oh, my God. Oh, it's okay. We're just going to get you out of here as quickly as possible. And it's going to be. F- so they call. They, um, it was, I was supposed to go to the movies with my friend that night. We were going to try to get me out for the first time. And instead of going to the movies, I texted her. I was like, ha ha, sorry. I'm at urgent care. Maybe meet me. And as she arrived, I was being wheeled out on the Jesus. gurney. Jesus. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, I w- then they got me to the hospital, which was around the corner, and I was in the hospital, I was in the ER for 12 hours, and they poked me and they prodded me, and they did all kinds of, I had all kinds of exams at like three in the morning with all- mm. so many hijinks, and then they admitted me, and they didn't really, they said, well, we know you have an infection, but we don't really know where it is. So mm. we're just gonna start treating you, and they started giving me all these anti- IV antibiotics, and then finally on the third day, they're like, okay, we think we found it. And none of those antibiotics treated it. It, You need this. Oh, God. Oh, God. So they gave me some antibiotic and I went home and I was still just as sick. And so I went back in the ER, this time with my agent who was visiting, who sat with me at 3 a.m. and sat with me actually during a pelvic exam and told me stories. Oh, wonderful. Awesome. She was very full service. And then (laughs) they're like, you need more antibiotics. They gave me more antibiotics. And then they said, we don't really know what's wrong with you. We're sending you to an infectious disease specialist. Who was like house? Who was like you need even more antibiotics? At this oh, point, God. they this is where my body seemed to break because they gave me this really strong antibiotic that seemed to do the job, but I stopped sleeping. <laughs> I got oh, palpitations all the time. Like it really rocked me, and so it killed the infection. But there's something seems to still be going on, and they don't know if it's uh, side effects from all like these six different antibiotics or sure. they do think that perhaps the strain on my body reactivated some mono I had in 1992. Oh, oh God. Oh, so, yeah. I've had a lot of blood tests and they said, or, or it's lupus. Oh, um, for God's sake. Uh, so, um, I'm going to have a bunch of tests this week. It's probably not lupus. Also, the person that told me that was the doctor's secretary who called me the day after oh, Christmas. Please. I was like, oh, the doctor thinks you might have lupus. So, and I was like, you make the worst Christmas phone calls ever. So. Yeah. I would say that is a situation in which button up, secretary, and do not voice your opinion. And I agree with you. Lupus is so incredibly rare. I yeah, feel like it's it, incredibly it's, unlikely. I'm sure it is. Just lupus. you're, yeah, you're just, you're, bo- I'm sure, I can't even imagine. It's so taxing. Now, I do have to ask the, yeah. uh, Simple question. Let's make sure you are taking what they have you taking probiotics, right? I mean, you, I'm sure there are all kinds of little cultures that are going in as well. Nurse nurse mother made me, you know, like they, they didn't actually ever tell me to do that. That's creepy to me. 
but yeah, it, it's a, I, what I found is that I, things I didn't realize is that doctors fight with each other over their opinions of things. And mm-hmm. there's, you know, I thought there'd be more kind of general consensus of what was going on. And it turns out there isn't. <laughs> so. Well, that's, you know, it's funny because I've been watching, um, and I, <laughs> and it's just so easy to take anyone's life and turn it into television, but I've been watching the Nick. Have you seen any of that? I wouldn't recommend it. that you do it right now. No, I, uh, it's the hospital one, right? Yeah. It's the hospital one, like turn of the century sort of. And, uh, and so, uh, again, not a recommendation for you to watch right now, but when you're a hundred percent well, uh, but it, but it's, it's very much, you know, the sort of reminder and, and I've also been listening to the stuff you should know podcast a little bit. And, and anytime, you know, you're in a situation where you're, you're being exposed to the way things used to be done and how barbaric it seems, mm-hmm. you know, you, there's, I spent a lot of time lately kind of thinking like, Oh, I'm so lucky to live in the time that I live in. But also when I hear stories like this, I think, you know, we don't, we haven't really figured out still a lot of stuff. And it makes you wonder, you know, in another hundred years, uh, assuming we as a race make it, um, that, you know, people are going to be like, can you believe they put her on six different antibiotics? That's crazy. Like, yeah. you know, the stuff that we're still kind of troubleshooting and sort of crossing our fingers on is pretty like phenomenal. Medicine is not a delicate art. It doesn't seem sometimes they're just like, let's just treat it with hammers. Like, let's just get a right. bunch <laughs> of hammers and just, just, just hit stuff and see what happens. Oh. And so, uh, but it's still, it's still pretty good. It's still pretty good. So I, instead of having this little operation that I thought I was going to be sort of up and about in four days, I've been more or less inside, just indoors Oof. for six weeks. Oh um, God. I can sort of walk. What I have now, I'm just very fatigued. So I, right now I'm reclining on, I have a, a sofa bed in my office and that's where I, I'm, I'm just very regal now. I'm trying to live like Auntie Mame or a Victorian. That's right. You know what I mean? Like I have all my, you're allowed to get the vapors. You're allowed to put your hand uh, the back of your hand onto your forehead. It's very civilized. I have tea and water and you know, I have my, my computer and my books and my reading. And I, you know, it's, it's very, it's not, it's not the worst thing. I'm trying to make the best of it. So yeah, it's absolutely. Well, especially in two, that's, it sort of reminds me of like, you know, if, if friends of mine who have been put on bed rest in difficult pregnancies, the same sort of idea of like trying to, you know, and, and actually the difference being that, you know, you are, you, at least you are pregnant in a difficult pregnancy where you're also very, very uncomfortable during the bed rest. Oh, did I not mention that? I'm also having a, Uh, I think you are a champ and, uh, and, but so I guess that takes us back to my initial question about this, what, which is what you've just described to me couldn't sound more horrible. And it triggers all sorts of kind of panic and anxiety about like how I feel when I think something might be wrong with me. Um, and I'm just, and so I, I guess that takes me back to, you know, do you think that this is a situation in which however someone imagines it, yes, it is absolutely that bad, if not worse. Or is it like, well, you know what? I got through it. It happened to me. And so it, I know exactly what it was to experience it. And so whatever you're imagining is still laced with, you know, sort of like little kid panic and fear mm. that you don't, you can't really afford to have when it's happening to you. Does that make sense? No, to be honest, I have, I mean, there have been parts where I've been fed up. And there have been parts where I've been like, I don't understand why I'm still sick. And there have definitely been parts where when the infection was really flaming up, 
I would, um, when I was really ill, when it would have kind of these flare ups, I would, um, I would just kind of become feverish and shake. And, you know, my thoughts weren't super clear at those times, but, um, no, it's honestly not all that bad. I mean, I feel, I, I, I know that I know you've discussed anxiety. I, I know you've discussed anxiety because I have listened to all of your podcasts. <laughs> and I've had experience with that in the past. I it was about five years ago. I out of the blue suddenly kind of got a lightning bolt of anxiety came into my life, and it just sort of went, "Pachoo! Hey, screw yeah. you! Now you have this anxiety." And yeah. um, I started kind of dealing with it then. I, I don't really suffer from it so much anymore. I I made a lot of changes in my life. Mm. You know, I do daily meditation. I try to take things in, you know, peace. You know, I try to do things more, uh, I not work around the clock anymore and not, mm-hmm. not awfulize things and kind of go, well, you know, is it really this bad? What's really the worst that can happen? And mm-hmm. it hasn't actually been, and I always try to remember the positive part. I'm like, eh, you know, you're only a block from a hospital, you know, like there's, yeah. this is, you're very lucky because you're a writer and you can, you know. You can work from home. You can work this out. So it's not going to be that bad. You're very fortunate. Like I always think of, well, you know, all there's so many people, if they get sick, it's a real problem because if they can't actually, you know, go into, uh, you know, mission control or wherever it is they work and um, guide the planes in. I can, I can do it from here. And, you know, so what if you have to take a nap during the day? That's all right. Like it's, I think not awfulizing things was the biggest yes. kind of tool in the bag of going there's, and there's something to be learned from it. Like maybe I have to learn to be a little bit more patient with being inside. People have certainly had to be inside for longer periods. What can I do mm-hmm. with this? There's always something you can make with, I've, I've always been a great believer of making anything out of whatever you've been given. Like just yeah. if you've been given something boring, make something about being bored, you know, just you can, <laughs> you can work with anything. Yeah. Well, and I think uh, what I'm hearing too is, um, and, and what it sounds like, you know, is something I try to put into practice is, uh, I think a lot of the anxiety that people have comes from a feeling of needing to be in control. And there's nothing like your body giving out on you in one way or another to like really hit home that you can't control that all the time Mm -hmm. and that you, you really have to sort of surrender to the circumstance, especially when it's physical. And, I think in a way, it's kind of an amazing lesson and beco- and can become a touch point, although it sounds to me like you were already there. But for somebody who something like that befalls them and maybe they haven't done the work that you did beforehand, that um, that that's a perfect opportunity to remember that, you know, just because something physical befalls you and you absolutely have physical evidence that you can't control it doesn't mean that something that isn't physical, that's situational and emotional um it doesn't like, do you know what I'm saying? That yeah. you, you sort of, that, that also can be a situation where you're like, you know what? I can't control this either. You know, I can't, m- yes, I have the choice of running, you know, th- yes, my heart's been broken. I have the choice of uh, going out and sleeping with someone and doing a bunch of drugs and sort of trying to heal myself that way. Uh, whereas if this were my physical body, I wouldn't be able to leave the house to make that decision. Right. But I can also choose to sort of nurse myself and take care of myself as I would if it were something physical. Does that make sense? It it does. Absolutely. I you know, and we can there's this the philosophy of, you know, it's permitted to feel like I'm like, you know what? It's this whole thing of I'm not allowed to feel sick. I don't want this to happen. Well it's happening. 
Right. And it's going to stop. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's going to stop. So now you're just going to sit here and be with it for a little bit and we'll see. Maybe it's really not that bad. Let's see what it's actually doing. And if it gets really bad, then we'll see, you know, then we'll wait until it gets not so bad. Just sort of being patient. Um, yeah. and trying to keep yourself distracted because that is the thing is if you start thinking about it, you will think about it all the time. So I have been getting just listening to stuff. Pod- I was in the hospital listening to podcasts all the time. And I laughed so hard at a super ego podcast that I, I set off the um, alarm on my <laughs> I want the guys in super ego to use that in some sort of a I, I tweeted device. it and I, I was so and they 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 liked it and I got so excited. I just a little tremor of, of, of thrill. It was it was the HR Giger going to the um to a drive in to get a hamburger and it was so funny that I jerked my arm suddenly and it set off <laughs> an alarm. That's amazing. And it summoned who I, the man I refer to as creepy nurse. And um <laughs> oh, no. uh oh, creepy no. nurse suddenly appeared by my side and I was like, Oh no, I've summoned a creepy nurse. Oh God, um, that feels, you know what? Summoning creepy nurse when you're laughing about something HR Geiger related actually yeah. feels like it really makes sense. <laughs> it did. It was, it was all very much of a piece and I accepted it. I, you know, I sort of, I kind of in some ways don't mind when bad things happen because it always gives me something to talk about. It's been a sort of lifelong philosophy. <laughs> but I think that's such a huge thing. I mean, that's such a huge part of who you are. And it's, I think it speaks so much of what you've ended up doing for a living and stuff. And I'm wondering, does your mom's kind of I mean, it, what you've described is your mom's kind of strength and pragmatism and the fact that she is kind of a fountain of knowledge and 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 can support and probably wasn't an alarmist about things. I mean, do you feel like that's had a really big influence on your character as a whole? Uh, probably. I'm not exactly like her. She's very um, she's very kind of stable and very. She's, but she's actually much more in her. Uh, she's too much mom for one person. I was a little too, <laughs> I was a little too managed as a teenager, yeah. and this. And you're an only child. I'm an only child, mm-hmm. and I really grew up not being allowed to do anything. Like really, mm-hmm. like I was, I was very. Whenever I hear these podcasts and like all, all these things people did as teenagers, and I was like, oh, I just wasn't, I just wasn't allowed to do those things, and then I ended up going to this. Catholic all girls academy that was like right out of the fifties. And, uh, it was all about sort of being restricted. However, my mother at the ratio of what my, her to 1100 kids is perfect because (laughs) that with both hands tied behind her back, that's no problem. So I was, I was a very kind of caged up kid. So I, I definitely kind of, um, She's also a, there's a big ritual in our family, especially with my mom, of sort of the retelling of terrible things that had happened. Oh, so, interesting. you know, we drive past someone's house. Remember, that's where we were when we found out that so-and-so died. Oh, no. There's a lot of that. Oh, no. We always remember where the terrible, oh, oh yes, no. remember, remember the terrible things. It's the anniversary of so-and-so's death and that's where so-and-so's buried and that's my mom. Well, that kind of flies in the face of me thinking that she was just, you know, enabling you to kind of not think about or focus on things that were, you know, scarier or, or harder negative. And, uh, we, we just always retold the story. You know, we were great retellers of stories of remember when that, te- my, whereas my dad is more, <laughs> remember when that terrible thing happened? That was pretty funny. Right. <laughs> right. It's funny. And this, and this is, uh, these terrible things were happening in the Philadelphia area. Is that right? 
Well, you know what? It really, there wasn't, there weren't that many terrible things. <laughs> it was not like, I, I, as I have to turn Philadelphia into like a terrible place. Well, it is. But I say that as someone who loves it. <laughs> no. It's awful. If you're from there, you're allowed to say that. It's beautiful and lovely and weird. And um, it's its own very special climate. Um, yeah. And um, it's, uh, I just flashed back to another one of your podcast episodes where Paul Tompkins was talking <laughs> about like, working at Hats in the Belfry. This is wonderful. You're I'm a like, little, yeah. yeah. Now we've referenced him twice. You have, you, you're sort of a wonderful, uh, you know, sort of card catalog. Of, I am. Of things to throw back to. I'm I am a card catalog on board. podcast. I was so excited that he worked at Hats on the Belfry on South Street. I was like, oh, what a wonderful thing to have happened. Well, you know that, and I just went to Philadelphia this year for the first time, and I wasn't there for uh, for long at all. I mean, I was there for like maybe thirty six hours, but um, but uh, I really liked it. It was rain, it was freezing cold rain, but whatever I was expecting, I don't know what I was expecting to be honest with you. And and I was very, I don't want to say pleasantly surprised because I'd heard great things. I just the same thing happened to me with when I went to Chicago, which was whatever I've seen in films or. Whatever I assumed, I think I just sort of like kind of pictured the I think I just kind of pictured the middle of of Manhattan where there's sort of nothing identifiable about it. Do you know what I mean? Just like thinking about, you know, just being in like some part of Midtown. I think I just expected Chicago and Philadelphia to just sort of feel like New York without the landmarks that I associate with New York and both places were so wide open and spacious. Yeah. And there, there was just more beautiful architecture and rivers and there was just more than I allowed myself to imagine. And Downtown I feel very foolish. It's wonderful. Actually, like it, it's gorgeous. Yeah. It, um, it's, it's got a lot of really beautiful, it's beautiful neighborhoods and, you know, all along the Schuylkill river is like, yeah. it's, it's it's really cool. And a lot of parks. There's tons and tons of parks all over. Yeah, I feel, I don't know who this person is in me that, that placed unknown expectations. If you had asked me, I don't think I would have admitted that. I would have been like, Oh, sure. It's great. And I, and I'm, it's, it's, it's surprising and a little bit disturbing to me that I was, that both times I was like, this is wonderful. Like, Oh God, what did you think it was going to be? I think it has more of a crime problem though. than I mean, I know that when I lived there, and when I went after college, when I worked in theater there, it was like your car would get broken into and like weirdos would follow you. And it was, there's a lot more kind of street crime and mm. um, it was a little more, you didn't necessarily, you had to be a little bit more careful. Mm-hmm. Like we had a lot, you know, you come back in your car, you know, more than once the car windows are smashed in. And um, I don't know if it's much different now. I feel like it's, uh, yeah, it has, a, it's. Because it's a it's a really really complicated city with like a mm. lot of really complicated issues going on. So, uh, and the surrounding area is you know partially lovely. It's like I kind of grew up in the Bucks County area, which is right outside, and I went to school in the northeast section, which is the kind of um, it's a kind of residential suburban kind of part of the city. Mm-hmm. But it's um, yeah, it's very kind of old school like i went to a catholic school and that was a big i'm not catholic and going to the school was like a big (laughs) well and so for your mom that was just kind of a you know this is a place like what when you say that you weren't allowed to do stuff i mean obviously my brain kind of goes to there there are people on both sides of that which you know if you have like i'm thinking about um someone like uh noreen de wolf you know she was raised in a very strict 
environment, but she totally bucked against that and became sort of duplicitous for that reason versus somebody else, you know, maybe like you or someone else I've talked to who, um, who was restricted and kind of honored that. You know what I mean? I honored it a little bit, but I was sort of like that prisoner who's constantly, it was like Hogan's Heroes all the time with me. Like I was constantly <laughs> sort of planning how to get out and what to do once I did get out. Like I mm-hmm. kind of judged my odds and said, all right, how long do I really have to put up with this? And what can But I even do? that, but that to me seems like I'm, I don't think that I had the presence of mind to feel, to look really towards the future when I was a teenager. And I think there are some kids who have the emotional maturity. If you, I mean, I don't know if that's what it is, but I think there are some kids who seem to do a better job at kind of seeing the long game, you know what I mean? Like looking at the big picture kind of stuff in some ways that others of us who maybe made kind of reckless decisions and that, that lean towards immortality ideas, um, couldn't get a hold of because you're not, you're just not thinking past, you know, like, so, so someone else's reaction, my point being is that they could be like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to do this and, and fail out of school and stuff because I, because, because I can't see past tomorrow. Yeah, I, I really, I, I more or less towed the line, but I also, if I crossed the line, I kind of did it quietly and got over the fence quietly at night and then quietly came back over the fence. I was very, um, yeah. I never did anything too bad. Um, I played it close to the chest. Um, <laughs> and I, but I, the school I went to was really, <laughs> I sent you a file earlier, which you, I didn't open it don't per your per your request. Yet. Don't open okay. it yet, but I think it's going to explain a lot. I, okay. I so the re- the reason I ended up at this Catholic girls academy when I'm not Catholic is that there were just certain schools that people from my school went to. There was like four or five schools, and um, this was one of them. And we didn't really think much of the fact. Like we didn't really. We're like we're not Catholic, but you know who cares? It's all. It's all the same. Like, I might as well go there. There's nothing wrong. Right. It's an education. For sure. No problem. So I applied. I sat the exam. You know, I I get my my letter. I'm 13, so I'm a year younger. And I get my letter saying, you've been called for interview. And I was – it was a cold January night that I was called for my interview. And I'm a very kind of timid – at the time, uh, when I was 13, I was very, very timid. I was very quiet. I was thinking all the time, but I was super quiet. Like just always mm-hmm. the wheels were turning, but I was super shy. And um, I'd never spoken to a nun. I'd never really, <laughs> I didn't really know what I was getting into. And I Had you seen any kind of stuff that made you think that you, like, did, had you seen any kind of movies where you see schools and nuns represented that you had any kind of idea going in or was it a complete blank slate? It was pretty much a blank slate. Like, I remember mm-hmm. seeing two nuns in a diner once, and that was about it. Like, it was really- <laughs> That sounds like a joke, and I don't know yeah. what the punchline would be, and I don't know what the media is. I saw two nuns in a diner, and I was like, those are some nuns in a diner. <laughs> and uh, so I did. I thought, just, I thought, nah, it won't be a big deal. I get in, and the school is a, it's, part of it is in an old mansion, and part of it looks like a converted parking lot. It's not the most attractive place, and one building is beautiful, one building is ugly. And we kind of arrive, freezing cold, dark night. They've turned off all the lights. 
and they've lit everything with votive candles that kind of go all the way up and down. And the halls in the front. Oh my, how dramatic. It was. The halls in the front are marble and um, just in the front area. And there's a chapel, a really like painted frescoed ceiling, like and candles going all the way into the chapel. And there are statues in the chapel of people like, and it's all just in the shadows. And we walk through the door. And I see all these flickering candles and people standing in the shadows and the outlines of this chapel in the distance. And then I saw the thing that I sent you in the file that says, do not open. And I invite you to open that now to get. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Okay. okay. The, I, I am opening it. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, my God. What is happening? You, you might. I, I. Oh. You might want to describe what I mean. I. Oh my God. Your feelings about it. This is okay. I just glanced down in the corner because I was like, is what is the writing and will this explain this? So it says in the corner, 1943 Mm -hmm. Polonia, Mm -hmm. there are, there's a group of nuns. Mm -hmm. uh, Some of them are standing. Some of them are on their knees. They are all holding their hands clasped in prayer. Mm -hmm. There is, that's the first thing you see. All you see is at first the nuns in prayer. Then your eye opens out and you see that at least one nun is lying on the ground with a pool of blood underneath her. There are soldiers, one assumes German Nazis, standing off to the side in the back and one of them has just like stabbed (laughs) i guess stabbed the nun and then there's like a gaping hole with a shovel so one assumes that these soldiers are massacring these nuns and dumping them into an open grave correct yes oh that's crazy in the school well this was the not only in the school by the front door so i turned and this is what's on the wall Get ready for the next four years of your life, everyone. Exactly. <sighs> and wow. I, I, then underneath, in the shadows, are the two nuns going, here's your folder, you know, go, <laughs> go upstairs. And you're led through the shadows. This place is cold and dark. And you're <sighs> just being led up the staircases, you know, no fire doors, into a room with a nun who's just sitting there kind of going through the stuff. Hey, you know. Oh, you're not Catholic. You're going to have to go to religion class. You fine with that? Well, we accept you. You know, it's fine. Apparently I'm white as a sheet the whole time. My parent, my mom said, you look like you were going to go down. I was, I was ready for it. You look like you were going to faint. Oh God. Um, and I was like, no, it's Literally. fine. I felt a little weird, but, uh, it's okay. oh. and so, uh, that's where I went to high school. Um, did it disappoint based on the, no, the painting? It did, not. <laughs> it did not. That was a good indicator of it. It's an, it's an old fashioned school, uh, run by Polish order. And, uh, it was very, it taught some stuff that I would soon learn was like pre Vatican too. It taught really old fashioned stuff. Hmm. Um, some of the nuns on staff were over 90 years old. Oh my. Um, yeah. And we were literally not allowed to go outside during the day. So the doors were locked. So. Once you're oh, in, good lord! You didn't like whenever people are like high school. You know, I went outside in my car and I drove to like Burger King for lunch, and then I smoked weed behind something. I'm like, are you kidding me? Literally, like, wow. We were we had rules about what staircases we were allowed to use. Like, you're allowed to go up, 
this staircase between 11 and 2. You can go down this staircase between 2 and 3. Unless chapel is on, you can... Everything had rules. It was just rules, rules, rules about everything. Um, but, but, but you didn't have to live there. It wasn't no, like... No, it no. Was a, thank God for that. No. But I wasn't... What? My mother also didn't want me to drive. She claimed that it was the, the insurance was too expensive, and so I couldn't drive. I was like, I'll get a job. I'll pay. She was like, no. And really, she just didn't want me... I think it was too dangerous. She didn't want me to drive. So I was really stuck. Like I was stuck at home a lot. I was really like, I really was the kind of house, you know. So, so did it kind of, so did it end up working against you that your mom had the experience that she had because she could see the worst possible scenario that could ever happen to anyone each with each thing. Cause she'd seen it. I think it was just that my mom was like, you are my child, the most precious thing in the world. I'm going to protect you from anything that could possibly happen to you ever. Right. You know, it wasn't like she, you know, it, she was really cautious. My dad was like, yeah, you got to let her do some more stuff. But um, my dad is slightly incautious. So it's so, yeah, it just so I ended up just sort of being really bored and constantly kind of thinking out. And all the things that were happening to me inside of the Catholic school were some of the things I really didn't agree with. And mm. it felt like I had four years of being slightly tested, like this cannot be what reality is like. Like this, sure. Is, this is not. None of this makes a lot of sense. And I, I'm not sure. I think I'm. I think some other people here know that it doesn't make any sense. I can't 100 percent tell, but I made yeah. some of my best friends there, like friends to this day, lifelong friends. Overall, my experience was really positive. Like it was a happy atmosphere mostly, but crazy mm -hmm. stuff happened there that should never have happened. That was really like kind of shocking. Like what? Well, they just didn't have any, you know, I, I, I worked. Was there, was there, were people getting hit with bamboo switches? No, no, stuff? no, no. It was nothing like that. <laughs> I mean, oh, see. I, Do you I'm feel a that little... you can't disclose too much for oh, out I of guess respect? I, can, I can't. Well, Okay, I'll disclose one thing because I think it's a matter of public record. Like, um, it is a matter of public record. There was, we had one priest that was in our school and he didn't seem to have a job. He just sort of sat in his office all day long mm. and sort of waved at us. And I was like, I never really knew what his job was. And I was just like, why is he here? Maybe is that the thing? I just have to have someone like one priest in the building. I don't know what he, I don't know what he does all day. And, um, didn't think really about him for years and then, um, just about a year and a half ago, one of my friends sends me an email and says, did you see this about brother blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, he's named as a sex offender that they had to release a bunch of court documents as part of a settlement. And he was a known oh. sex offender and he had been moved into our school. Oh, boy. Was, do you mind if I ask if it was boys or girls? Like, we did that make a difference? I don't think the, the records didn't, didn't indicate specify. any of that. Because, you know, if it was a boy situation, they were like, well, we'll put you into the one place we know you won't get into any trouble. Who knows? I mean, I, I guess, mean, I don't mean, I hate to, like, justify it. Uh, no, no matter what, it's shocking. He, he was moved around a lot, but he was with us for a while. He was there hmm. the whole time I was there. And um, that that was something I found out later. But just, like... They they just didn't seem to be prepared for any – we didn't have a school nurse and we didn't have a – like they didn't really have a psychologist or anything. They didn't have counselors. If, mm -hmm. some, if bad stuff happened to you, they kind of just expected you to deal with it. And um, for example, I was a peer counselor in senior year. It was the thing where you got chosen and you did a little training and then you sat in an office and nobody ever came to see you except <laughs> one freshman started to come to see me and she was just – she started to come and see me. And I was like, okay. 
And she started to say things like, I'm, I think I want to kill myself. And I was like, oh, oh, that's no. really bad. And she started showing me, she started leaving poetry in my locker about how she wanted to kill herself. Mm. So I gathered all of this up and I took it to the person who was supposed to be in charge, the, the head of this counseling. We had somebody was in charge, but I don't know if they were a counselor or not. And I said, here is this person, the student, she's a freshman. I think she needs your help. Here's all the things I've gathered up for you. Take it away. And they're like, oh, this seems bad. Um, you're going to need to talk to her some more. Oh, no. We're going we're gonna to pull you out of class and you can sit and you can try to convince oh, no. her to go to a, a doctor. And I was like, are you kidding? <sighs> Seriously, that's what you're going to do? Um, and they did that. And um, eventually I ended up, my mom comes up in a lot of these stories. Eventually I just told my mom that was going on. I'm like, yeah, they have me. I'm dealing with this girl for weeks. She pulled the car over to the side of the road and was like, are you kidding me? She got home, sped home, picked up the phone, was like, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? This is not. Yeah. Because she handles that sort of thing. And she's like, first of all, what are you doing to my daughter? Second of all, what are you doing to this? Like, you will not yeah. do this again. You will get a professional. Like, this is crazy. But that's just sort of how they dealt with stuff. I mean, you were bad stuff didn't happen in our school. You were Nobody got pregnant mm-hmm. in our school. Nobody got – everything was kind of just sort of brushed away. There was no mechanism to deal with any – you know, anything that there was, people just disappeared if they got pregnant. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, yeah, that definitely speaks to sort of what you were saying about it being kind of, you know, caught in the 1950s or something that's sort of like, you know, out of sight, out of mind. If we don't talk about it, then it's not going to become, you know, because I'm sure there's like this sort of fear of kind of mass hysteria, right? Because that feels very 50s too, is the idea that once you let people know that one thing has happened, suddenly there are going to be like all these copycat freak out situations or there's going to be some sort of reaction where it's like it's an, in, like it's measles. You know what I mean? Like it's like people get infected with rebelliousness or re- infected with depression or infected with pregnancy or whatever, which is like not necessarily a great way to to deal with the world and to deal with the reality of young young women, you know, Those in puberty were and never stuff. Never mentioned. Never. Mm. I went through high school for four years with like literally no, no nothing bad you would have thought ever happened to anybody because it just wasn't. There weren't facilities for it. There wasn't really capacity for it. And, and I saw a lot of stuff that really made me angry. And so I was, mm. I kind of no, I was angry a lot. I was angry at the system. I was always like, this sure. system is wrong. This is a bad system. And, um, did you have anyone who did sort of disappear or get, you know, did you have the kind of like (laughs) Angelina and Jin girl interrupted sort of like a loud voice of dissent who's like, fuck you, everybody. And then they just quietly disappear and are expelled. Yeah. Mm. One of my good friends. Well, there you go. From my freshman year. Yeah. She just went away. She, and then when she told me what happened, she said, yeah, they just sort of decided I didn't belong there. They they said they cl- mm. she they claimed I did something I didn't do and they just got rid of her. They didn't like it. she had spiky hair. They didn't like her. Well, she does sound like she's trouble if she had spiky hair. I know, yeah. So she had spiky hair and they were like, Oh, very bad. We're gonna get rid of her. It wow. was it was a weird atmosphere and it, it was one where reality was not acknowledged very much. Like we definitely yeah. it was definitely like I and I was Protestant too, so and that was I felt like a dirty secret. Like, I'm, <laughs> sure. My first year, I spent terrified that people would find out. Like, I was really quiet about it. I was like, oh, God, oh. if people are going to find out, they're going to put a letter on me. Can make me 
wear a big hat or something. Right. And then the second year, I thought about it because I'd had the first year's experience. And I thought, you know what? I have a new plan. I'm going to tell everybody. I'm just going to make it a big deal. Uh-huh. Say it every possible, every possible junction, and it happened that in my second year we had a really obnoxious religion teacher, who was an ex-seminary guy who dropped out. He was twenty-one years old, oh. teaching a room full of high school girls who were way ahead of him. Uh huh. And he was just like his attitude was, "I am a super smart guy. I'm basically a genius," and we were all like, "Uh huh." And he was toast from the beginning, but he would say crazy things. Like, I remember one time in class, he said, I have a mathematical formula that proves the existence of God. Oh, wow. And I thought for a couple minutes, and then <laughs> I put up my hand and I said, you know, if you have that, you should show it to us. And he's like, well, you wouldn't understand it. I said, okay, well, if you have that, isn't that all we should ever learn ever? Like, right. If you have that, why are we wasting our time with literally anything else? Like we could just be working on that. Like yeah. if you've got that, but the thing is, I don't think you have it because yeah. I think I would have heard about this through some other means. We did not get along. And he, um, he eventually also disappeared, uh, a couple weeks before the end of the year under mysterious circumstances. Wow. Um, just as, he was a, he was a strange guy. Uh, I don't, I don't want to cast aspersions. I don't know what happened. He just went away. He just suddenly right. wasn't our teacher anymore. And it right. was like six weeks before the end of school and he was just gone. And they came in and they're like, he is not your teacher anymore. And then my senior year, I also want to say, I honestly, on many levels, love my school, but I, I admit that there are huge problems, uh, in the system. Like well, it sounds to me like, you know, if you're the person that you are now, that you were going to have a, a, a good experience, whatever the circumstances, and that they're, you know, the, the great things about it were things that you focused on, but you also, you know, were aware and, and watchful and seeing and observing and taking in and processing stuff that you knew wasn't right or that didn't feel right for you. It, it, well, in our senior year, we had a nun who'd come from another order. And the order had shut down and she was like the last, you know, remaining nun or they, she needed a job. So they sent her over to our school and she didn't wear a habit. She just dressed like a grandma, like an adorable grandma in a cookie box. She was like the cutest little old woman. She was so cute. She curly hair <laughs> and little pink cheeks. And she was so nice. <laughs> Meanest woman I have ever met. Aww. Used to love to make girls cry. It was like her favorite thing to do. And she loved the more goody two-shoes or just well-behaved and well-adjusted and nice and hardworking you were, the more she liked to see you cry. So, Whoa, she's like a sadist. Yeah, like she was she was dark. Like whenever the student counselors were going about their business in the morning before the bell, which was at 8.12, so if they were doing attendance or if they were doing something like taking something to the front office as per their job, if they didn't show up again by 8.12, she locked them out and counted Amazing. them absent. And then they'd they'd stand out there and what we were doing our job like we were taking and then she's like well you were outside and then start to cry and then she'd start to laugh and I was like you I'm going to watch because wow you are just dark 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 and she yeah. I told her right away I was like I'm Protestant and she would say things like I don't know how you function just going around with all that sin on your shoulders oh, and I'd be like all right oh my god but. The most amazing day was the day she drew the model of the solar system on the chalkboard. 
to do the model of the solar system. It said, here is the sun. Here is God. And now I'm going to show you where all the religions are uh, in the, uh, as drawn by planets. So she's like, here we go. We have Mercury. That's Catholics closest to God. Then we have Venus. That's the Jewish people because they are pretty much right. And then they got it wrong. Oh, and God, this is amazing. Then here's Earth. That's uh, Protestants because uh, they deny, you know, they're, they're not they're not as good. And I was like, well, at least I'm from Earth. That's right. That's uh, right. But that, that was on a test. I had tests on things what? like that. Oh, yeah. I had tests on things like this. It oh, really, my God. I had tests on all. We had to have a, we had a mandatory class. Half of our year was. We, religion is a major subject every day, and then it was four days a week later on. And half of the year was church history or church doctrine, and half of the year was just behavior, like loving. We had a class on marriage in senior year. Wow. It was taught by a nun. So we had to take wow. marriage as a major subject. Where, where does romance kind of come into it? It sounds like there wasn't a whole lot of room for that with the world that you were inside of in high school. We got mysterious, mysterious. I, I didn't have any because we, I was never allowed out. So, um, I just, I only knew like one guy. I had like one <laughs> guy friend. And, uh, I was like, all right, clearly I can't seem to get out of here, but I'll just bide my time. I'll yeah. bide my time very carefully. When I get out of here, I'll get to business. <laughs> that was and did you on schedule? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Did you did you have the sort of like the sort of uh, freak out? I moved out of my house. Uh, I'm going crazy for a second. Life or or were you still kind of? Uh, did you not go down the road of like, oh my god, I can't believe how crazy I went because I had been starved for these these different experiences for so long. Moderately so. I mean, I, I, I kind of took the middle way. Like I did, I definitely acted out a bit, um, but in a way that I had sort of planned on doing. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I know. It's like, I love that you had all had all that time to sort of calculate what your freak out was going to be. Yeah. No, no, it's all good. It's, it's it, whatever. Cause part of my job now as a YA writer is that, you know, I, I talk to so many teenagers yeah. And they they tell me they're like my life is so boring all these and I was like, "Hey, don't worry about it. It's all going to be all right." Like yeah. you don't have to worry. Things don't have to happen to you right away. And if things are happening to you, things will change. Like you do not worry, my friend. Yeah. I've been where you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Worry. Take my hand. Come, come to the internet <laughs> with me. We will talk about it. It's going to be fine. Do not worry about no it. No kidding. No, so, absolutely. It's so important to have those voices too when you're that age, I think. But did did you um were you writing back then? Oh, yes. Yes. I, yeah. I wanted to be – I was definitely like, I'm a writer. I was very like – I was very confident about this. I was like, I am. That's what I am. And I wrote in all the times that I wasn't supposed to be writing. So usually math class was a big one. Yeah. So I never did my math homework. And uh, I was a kind of a great improviser of math classes. And so the way I got through math class because I never did my homework was – I would sit there and, you know, the, what they would do is they'd say, okay, we at, and do your homework up on the board and show your work. You know, they'd call you up. And I made sure to volunteer right away. Like first hard problem, I made sure to be like, I'll do it, sister, and I'll do it with my friend Suzanne. I don't know why I thought I could do this, but I was always like, Suzanne and I will do it together. 
Yeah. And I volunteered not just myself, but my friend Sue, <laughs> who I knew had done it. All right. And for some reason, they allowed this to happen. They were like, all right, we'll humor you. And I did this every day. I, oh and my so God. she knew, all right, Maureen, you and Suzanne will do the little together. <laughs> and That's very smart. Yeah. I, I, I just, I, I don't know how I, I just was like, I'll, this is what I'll do. It'll be good. Did Suzanne care? Was she like, I know what you're doing. She was a long suffering, very, very good friend who was just mm-hmm. like, it's cool. Like she just yeah. kind of knew she was like, eh, it's all right. So yeah. I, I had all kinds of ways of covering for myself. If I, cause I would sit there in, in class and I would just write, you know, the boring, I would write super boring stuff. I used to write like nine pages of description of rain and things like that. And, you know, <laughs> I know that that seems boring, but I was, that's what I, that's the kind of stuff I think I got really into writing when I was in high school too. Like for the first time really being exposed to kind of, and I don't know if you had this experience based on the schooling that you had, but you know, being exposed to great literature and being exposed to poetry and stuff and sort of, I, I feel like even though I was an, you know, avid voracious reader, um, that's kind of the first time high school, I remember real critical thinking about what I was reading and about, you know, kind of taking things apart. And I think that that's kind of the first time because I had some really great teachers that I felt like, you know, oh, I can sort of see how this is done. And it made it feel more possible that I could do it in a way that I don't know if I like, you know, cause I was always kind of in theater and music and stuff like that. And that felt like something I was entitled to, but I feel like the high school is the first time I really kind of understood like, oh, there's, this is a thing that I could do. And I obviously didn't end up doing it, but I don't know, like it became clear for me in a different way yeah, in that, I, at, during that age. I was obsessed with sort of breaking stuff down and doing analysis of stuff. And I, yes, that was very, if I could just do that all the time, I'd be happy. And I was, um, I had one really good teacher who was, who actually kind of took me aside and was like, I'm just going to let you take, you're going to do AP English, but I'm going to teach you this other English course on the side. Just like, at lunch or whatever. I'm just going to give you all the stuff for it and you'll do it. And like, really, she just was very like, just, just out of her personal time, just was like, you're, here's a bunch of extra reading material. And well, that was what I was wondering too. I was wondering, cause, cause you know, the, the, the kind of uh, staff they were talking about, if there were, if there was, you know, there were teachers who did inspire you and that you did feel kind of that you had that sort of dead poet society relationship to. Yeah, I had, uh, I mean, she, Oh, there was, we had some, I had some very strange teachers there and some amazing teachers there. And she really mentored me. Uh, she was a, she was a lay teacher. Not that that matters. I mean, but she, she really, um, she just was like, you're good at this. I'm going to give you access to all of, you know, I'm going to let you go up to the college library. I'm going to let you, it's like, got, cause we didn't really have a school library or a librarian or anything. We had a <laughs> called the library, but all it had in it was the Catholic encyclopedia and a copier we weren't allowed to use. Amazing. And if you went in, there was a nun who was 95 years old, literally, who would say, girls do not put any bent dimes in the copier. She was just obsessed. <laughs> she was just obsessed <laughs> that we just were carrying around bent dimes with us wherever we went, just wanting to put them in our copier. So basically, uh-huh. <laughs> we're just never allowed to use that I don't copier. think I've ever seen a bent dime. No, I don't think anyone has. But she was like, yes. don't put bent dimes in the copier. And just you came in and she was like, just block the copier. She was like, nope. Nope. Oh, but she, unfortunately, 
She was lovely. She passed away. When the first three weeks of my high school experience there, three nuns died. One one died every week. And, oh, no. Uh, they were laid out in the chapel, and we went to sit and, and do a rosary, which I didn't, A, know how to do or own. So I had to, like, quickly... Oh, well, yeah, you were a Protestant sinner. Yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. And they're like, you're going to need to bring in a rosary. I'm like, where do I get a rosary? Anyone had a rosary? Running around looking for a rosary. My grandmother had one. We got that. I didn't know how to do it, so I just kind of fumbled with it. I did a lot of fakery in the beginning. Like I, just, mm-hmm. like, I didn't know how to do the mass. When nothing was written down, there were no instructions. Everyone knew all the words. It was like being in a play where everyone knew the words. Sure. And I didn't know the words. It's a bad dream. You've described a stress dream. So I had my, my friend Laurie. I whispered to her ear the first day. I'm like, I'm not Catholic, and I don't know what I'm doing. And she's like, just follow my lead. And she guided me. Like She would always make sure to stand next to me, and she would sluttily elbow me just to let me know it was time to move. Right. And like she, you know, she would give a little indication with her hand. If it was kneeling, standing, like, cause I didn't know. Just here. And I would started, I followed these hand signals and wow. when they would do the various recitations of things, I would just boom. <laughs> and I eventually learned them. I did a lot of mumbling. And that's a year of that. A year of being in a in a play that I didn't know the words to, and I didn't wow. know the, the actions, and I just faked it all the time, <laughs> constantly. I pretended like I had an idea of what was going on, and I didn't. I never knew ever what I was happening. I think that in some ways you've described like the larger picture of what it feels like to be a human being. Though sometimes, like yeah. feeling like. How often do we feel like we're on the outside of something that everyone seems to have figured out? It's super good training for life. Like after that, I was very like, sure. That's how I got most of my jobs. Like I went to theater school and writing school and like I had to temp and get all these jobs. I moved to New York and I had no job. And and I I would go into jobs. They'd say, have you done this job before? I'd be like, yes, uh, of course I have. I'm very good at this job. I know everything about this job. I can do this job. Give me this job. I'm the best at it. No idea what it was. None whatsoever. Just would go home, try to figure it out, guesswork, talking my way into things. Like it, it trained me to kind of go, sure, yeah, whatever. Uh, I can do that. Sure. Yeah. Sure, I'll do Well, that because now. you knew. Yeah, exactly. Because you knew you, you exactly you had seen the outcome of, you know, here's a thing that I experienced also. I remember feeling like, what the, what the hell am I going to do? This is crazy and intimidating and strange and different. And, and you saw the outcome as being like, yeah, survivable and just fake it till you make it that whole spiel. Around, but see what everyone else is doing, you know, generally follow along, you know, just, just quiet, be quiet in the beginning. Just look around, watch yeah. what the others are doing. Just follow them around a little bit and then you'll be, it's not like I was administering <laughs> anesthesia or something, you know, I was right. like being a waitress or, or writing copy for something, you know, it's like, I'll figure sure. it out. Sure. Sure. Oh, that reminds me. I read that, and then we have to get into some ash, but uh, I, I did oh, read that you oh, had been uh, a restaurant, a, a, a waitress at a theme restaurant. Yeah. Is that true? Oh, what yeah. was the theme? Uh, it was the Jekyll and Hyde Club on... <laughs> On, um, Wonderful. It just closed, and it's so sad. I I was there. I walked past a couple months ago, and they were just shuttering it. And I was like, "No, that was." I didn't my- even know it was a thing. Oh, it's so I missed it. It was the. I moved to New York uh, on like a Friday, and I walked into this place, and it was like a haunted house theme, and I was like, "This is the place for me," yeah. and I said. 
you know, I, I would like to be a waitress here. And they said, are you experienced? I said, yes, yes, very experienced. I went home and I made up a resume. Amazing. I made up a bunch of places in England. I had been actually been an waitress, a waitress in England for about six weeks. And I was like, they're not going to call any of these places. So I'm, yeah, like, I was there for a year. I was here for a year. Sure, sure. Here you go. And, um, I, they're like, great. You will be a waitress. And I was like, fabulous. And it was a four story haunted house theme. To- at that time, they turned all the lights off. So it was totally dark outside, lit by these fake candles. And it had. Oh, I can't a- believe I never went there. Oh. Oh, I'm really upset because I finally only this year went to sleep no more. Oh, and, uh, Janet. Yeah. This yeah. place was a marvel. What was also amazing about it was we had the wait staff and then we had actors who walked around dressed as characters like mad scientists, but they also powered all of the things built into the walls. Everything that looked like a skeleton or a picture or like a rhinoceros head was fitted with a camera and microphones. Oh, my. So they could activate things and spy on the customer. I am so furious that I never went. Obviously, I guess no one else was either if they closed it down. So what we would do is we had an internal system where we could say, you know, the people at the table on the second floor in the corner are acting up. Can you get eyes on it? Oh, my God. And then you'd suddenly see, and you'd be talking to a skeleton on the wall. It was like, okay, I'm on it. And then skeleton would go quiet. <laughs> and then you'd see the rhinoceros head on the second floor through the vestibule. You'd see the rhinoceros head suddenly turn. Oh, my God. And the rhinoceros would spy on them. And then the rhinoceros would turn back. And then the skeleton next to you would come back to life and go, all right, here's what I found out. They ordered a oh bunch of appetizers God. and then they canceled. <laughs> we had the best network of cameras. That's and, like, amazing. It was the most amazing job. Oh. <sighs> Oh, God, I'm bitter. I'm filled with bitterness. Filled with bitterness oh, that I didn't good, go. It was a good... I had to give it up when I went to grad school. I Because they... And the theater department, they wouldn't let us have any like any outside jobs that took away from... So I, I had to give it up just when they'd given me really good shifts. It was very sad. Could have paid my life. I feel your pain. I really feel your pain. I got to be honest with you. All right, I can't believe this, but we've already been on the phone an hour. So... I and I can't... And I, but this is really... Uh, been such a joy and a delight and i i, I do need to get into some ash um i think i'm gonna this. go i've dreamt of this this well listen if there are any dream categories that you would like me no, to, uh, to be include just, just, just let's let it flow let's yeah. let it flow all right i'm gonna start with um three <laughs> three places in the world I, you know what i don't even care if they're real or imagined but what if let's take the restaurant in which you worked to the next level right. let's say three places in the world or in fiction become a, a theme restaurant that you get to work in oh. what would they be all right i want first of all the house from rocky Har. amazing i want frank's mansion i've always considered it to be a happy place Yes, I, perfect. I take perfect pride in that. I think that that is a very happy place. It seems it. I don't disagree with you. Uh, and I think I want um, um, somewhere that Bertie Wooster has to go for the weekend, maybe. Like one of the many manors that he has to go to. So some sort of P.G. Wodehouse kind of. Sure. Uh, Great. And, Got it. Um Ooh, that's hard. Um, uh, the third has to be some sort of detective, like 
Sherlock kind of thing where you actually mm-hmm. see, like, maybe mur- like there's a murder at some point. Yeah. Like a basically like a clue house. Like yeah, like, like you go to house. like you work you work as the waitress in a uh in a how to host a murder type. <laughs> yeah, it's not mansion. Like like that but better. Like not Yeah. whatever version of those the murder mystery dinner theater like much better. It's like an actual house like a murder by death house or something you know what i mean like that yeah kind of yep thing. yep That's what I want. I'm, I'm just putting agatha christie type yeah murder mansions absolutely like an, <laughs> and then there were none kind of yes yes and then there were nuns is your high school experience oh, thank you everybody thank you very this much is, i'm waving i'm waving at everyone this is why you're a very famous person oh <laughs> well that's that's just a lie right there um okay next category is going to be uh three people from fiction uh, whom you wish were your dear friend? Oh my God. Well, a lot of them are going to be the same. Um, I want, uh, oh boy. Oh, oh God. <laughs> I do, I do want to hang out with Sherlock. You know, I do. Yeah. I've yeah. been a lifelong mystery buff, like a crazy mystery yeah, buff. Yeah, me would too. Be, that would be one. Um, and yeah, I also do want to um, hang out with Bertie Wooster. I, I, I want to hang out with him, but I should make the third different. Uh, you do whatever you want. This I'm, is your match. I know, but you know, I just, I'm looking around. I don't want to just have so much. I want uh, somebody from, um, oh, I want Auntie Mame. Oh, great. Great. Yeah. Great. Okay, cool. Perfect. Um, let's go with uh, Vacation Home, uh, Real Place, Real Place That Exists in the World 3. Sure. Okay, uh, somewhere in the Caribbean, because they don't. I am. I am a great friend of sea level. Uh, right. So the, my <laughs> ideal level is one foot. Like you're, you should be in beautiful seawater up to about your mid ankle. That to me, okay, is the appropriate. So somewhere beautiful in the Caribbean. Great. Um, I always have this fantasy of some sort of lake house. Like, mm-hmm. I've never even been to like Burlington, Vermont, but I always imagine that that's like I want to ha- like a house on a lake where you can swim. I just want to apparently just be a near a body of water at all. Times. I know you want to wade through most of your life. I, I just think it makes just perfect slosh sense. Slosh gently through. Yes. Nothing. Yeah, I know. As long as there are no fish in it, because fish. Are no fish. <laughs> fish. Well, that's kind of important to ecosystems, so mm. I'm not sure how that's you know, gonna work. Yeah, they're just they're very dangerous. Even the little cute ones. Um, but. And then probably um, somewhere in the English countryside, I guess, as well. Uh, Great. Isn't part- it interesting that you do love the the water and being in the water, but you don't love marine life? I, I mean, I respect marine life, and I think yeah. that's a difference. You know, I, I believe that that's their home, and they have yeah. every right to bite you and kill you like they want No, to. I know. I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. I, 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 you're no stranger to the podcast, so you know that I have like a very complicated, yeah. thrilling, fearful, respectful, but also maybe turning towards me enjoying snorkeling uh, experience. I, I've, I've gone snorkeling, and I love it. And I have also been known to panic while snorkeling and start speed swimming away. Because I thought I saw dangerous eels that were, in fact, sticks. <laughs> I can really relate to that. I mean, I've only had one experience and nothing like that happened. But it was a short experience enough that I wouldn't put it past myself at all to speed swim away. 
oh, I left my friend for dead. I was like, good. She turned around <laughs> and she was like, you were 50 yards away all of a sudden. She was like, hey, do you see that? What about the buddy system? Oh, yeah. We went snorkeling. Yeah. And one of the first things we saw when we got off this one spot was the person's like, oh, look right down there. You see that fish? And it's this, it doesn't even look like a fish. It looks like a 70s Swedish light fixture. It's got about 60 <laughs> points sticking out of it. And it's just a puff with spikes. And they're like, that is a deadly lionfish. And I was like, oh, God. well, goodbye. <laughs> and then I just I launched out of the water too. in my jetpack. I completely understand. I, I, I really agree with you uh, that it's not that I feel, it's not that I hate them. It's just that I'm like, what, why wouldn't that fish come and hurt me and poison no. me? Like, why wouldn't it? I'm, I don't belong here. That's the, t you're in its house. I feel I'm inviting it to hurt me in some way. I totally get it. Totally get it. Um, all right, listen, I got to move on, but I could talk about that for hours. Uh, next question is going to be, um, Oh, by the way, listen, no one cares about this but you and me, but I do think it's amazing that your first name is my middle name and we have the same birth date. Okay, I just wanted to say that. Yeah, remember remember we figured that out? Remember I remember I I don't even know how I found that out, but I remember that when I direct messaged you on Twitter when we started talking, um I was like, "Now hold on just a second. Not only is my middle name your first name, but I also just found out that we have the same birthday." I didn't know we had the same. That's so. Yeah, we exciting. have the same birthday. I know, February sixteenth. Oh my god, Jen, this is so amazing. I you know. know. We only have terrible people on our birthday. We have the same <laughs> as King John Eel. Uh, I think there was one person once that I was like, "Oh, that's cool." Lavar we have Burton. the same birthday. I think it is. I think you're absolutely right. We have Lavar Burton, but we also have King I do John love Eel, Lavar. and that's yeah. a lot to counterbalance. I know we have a lot. We have really have the weight of King John Eel on our shoulders at all times. I know that's why I used to throw a birthday party with him every single year. Well, there you go. Well, there you go. And now he's gone. Oh, Speaking gosh. of eels, um, okay. Next, uh, I gotta go. Uh, you know what? Let's let's make it birthday themed. Uh, three, three things on that get served on your birthday uh, to eat or drink that make it the best birthday ever. Oh man, that's gonna be hard because. This thing has taken my appetite away for like six. I've forgotten what food is. So I, I know you have to look back on kinder days. Also, when I think about these things, all of a sudden, I suddenly have the food preferences of a six-year-old. But see, that's what's so great about it. By the way, and we're talking about birthday parties, so you might as well go for I'm it. I'm like, I want a taco party. A Love it. A crunchy shell taco party. But I'm I guarantee so you. I have to have like the, the fake. The fake taco. Stuff. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Also, I feel that 90% of the people listening would be like, excuse me, I would love a taco party and I'm not six. Listen, everyone loves a taco party. And you're yeah. from you're from LA, so you get like real, like the good ones. Like you have good. Yes, I would say yes-ish. But um, because I'm originally from Tucson, I have a different idea of what great Mexican food tastes like and also San Francisco. So between Tucson and San Francisco, I can't say definitively that I love Los Angeles Mexican food, which is very strange. You have very, that's, that's a lot of goodness. I know it really is. All right. Taco party. What's next? I also just want pizza. It's like the one food I've yeah, been craving. Pizza party. And then uh, now I guess I should class it up a little bit <laughs> because what am I going to do next? Like, it, it, honestly, it's going to be like child nuggets at this point. Um, Cup, cupcake party. Oh my goodness. Uh, um, Yes, let's just have a cupcake party. Let's just do See? it. See, I mean... I went on a thing once where they gave you an undecorated cupcake and then they handed you what looked like a sewing box. 
And then oh. all the drawers opened, and it was like tubes of icing and stuff you could do. Oh, that's wonderful. That magic. Uh, that is that is quite wonderful. We would have also, that at I my am, party. Yeah, you. Uh, we absolutely would have sewing kit uh, cupcake party. I the last couple of birthday parties I've even bothered having, I've had in a park on an afternoon just to let you know how attached to the idea of a children's birthday party I am because and then people could bring their kids and I'm not like a big drinker or like a late night person anymore so to me that sort of is the perfect birthday party is like a pizza party picnic in the park with cupcakes water balloons maybe a pinata all right and like a bunch of kids running around you just said we have the same birthday Mm -hmm. and all that tells me is you live in a very different climate yeah you know, I do. All of those things are possible. It's like warm. A birthday party in New York, you know, like a, a picnic. We'll all be freezing to death. We'll be basically be dead. Like something like from the end of like the end of the shining. It's like we're all there. <laughs> frozen hedge yeah. animal creatures. We're all dead and frostbitten yeah. sitting on like the remains of a blanket in a park. Yeah. So well, nice. listen, Maureen, I cordially invite you to come and spend your birthday with me in February and we can, you can, we can do a park party. I'm a hundred percent on board for it. It will be very fun. You mean, you might need a sweater, but that's about the worst. So yeah. So yeah. No, the offer stands. So the offer stands. You're going to well, be, I'm just telling you, you're just going to turn around and be like, and then you all forgotten it. And then you'll just turn around. And I'll be like, hi, Janet. It's yeah. Me. No, I'll never forget. You invited I'm 100% me to your birthday ready. party, Janet. Yeah, I'm no. Here. You can try to be creepy, but it's not going to work. Mm. I can, I'm I the can one who put the hard. invitation out there. <laughs> okay, next uh, next category will be um, three alternate careers, uh, alternate universe Maureen Johnson careers. Well, I got to be a nurse. Yep, got to get I that I think in I'd there. be great at that, although I because I see it as like, running dramatically down halls with a needle going, I have to give this, but my mom's like, it's mostly just people barfing on you. And then, (laughs) so that's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, Oh boy. Uh, I I don't, I don't know. Um, I guess I'd like to maybe work on TV or something. That seems exciting. Like, you know, I don't know doing what writing. All right. TV. Yeah. TV. Got it. I'm doing something with the TV. Yeah. <laughs> Where I get to go and there's like cameras and I'm like, I hear some stuff and they're like, yes, give it to the actor. It'll be very exciting. That'll be, that's it. See, you I described have a it. Very described it. clear idea. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, you know what it is? It's basically your nurse idea, but instead of holding a needle, you're rushing down with a script. Oh, like, yeah. I got to get these pages to the set. Yeah, it's like Very similar. 30 Rock, like just when she's like, we have to find Tracy. You know, like that's that kind of, yeah, I yeah, want that. That totally makes sense to me. I completely understand this idea. Okay, great. And then what's your third Private one detective. that I'm forcing you? Private detective. Yes. Good God. I can't believe that wasn't number one. P. It was just waiting. D. I'll just forget that drop. that's like for just Private boom. detective. God, I can't even get into it with you about cereal. We'll have to talk about that oh offline. Oh, my goodness. Uh, although I will say this, some person, and I, I have absolutely no idea who it is. I got to find out now. It's like its own mystery that I have to solve. Someone, I just, uh, picked up the mail, uh, from yesterday and there was a t-shirt, um, that someone sent me as a surprise gift. There's no note, nothing. And it says, Adnan did it? Question mark. Well, that's not creepy. That's not creepy at all. So I don't know who sent it to me, but what I, what I, what I'm going to have to convey to that person is I love the thought and I will certainly wear that t-shirt at home, but I will never ever wear a t-shirt 
that is a joke about a real person serving time in prison. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not entertainment to me. I am I, I became obsessed with it because it was real and because someone's serving time and because I don't know if he did it or not. And so I can't wear like a fun joke t-shirt about like a real thing. But uh yeah, I have absolutely no idea who sent it. Isn't that weird? That yes. <laughs> was it you? Maybe it was a non. Like who knows? Like I mean, I don't know. That would be, I don't know. I got to get probably, That would be a bad move on his part. But I got to get on. I really got to get on. Yeah. But, you know who's going to tell me is Reddit. All I have to do is just like put a sentence that I got it and somehow someone will have all of that information solved and I'll accuse 15 people of sending it. All I know is all of America has never been this interested in a Best Buy parking lot. Oh, that's certainly true. Much less a Best Buy. I couldn't what? agree more. And how can't? How is it they don't know if there were phones there? I don't. I just. I know it's a whole thing. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about this offline. There's no question about it. I don't want to put these nice folks through it. But <clears throat> I also want to say that even though the podcast is not over, there is so much fresh stuff that constantly comes out every day that it's way more pervasive in my life than I thought it would be. Like when the podcast ended, I was like, I feel relief because now I don't have to think about this as much anymore. But unfortunately, um, there's still just a lot of activity going on around it. So it's not it hasn't died for me yet. It's too much. It's too much. Okay. Uh, next category will be a uh, romantic partner. Could be one nighter, could be uh, alternate universe husband, could be whatever, whatever you want. Oh God. Are these Three. real people or are these fake people? Or whatever you want. If there's a character from fiction that you're like, I have such a crush on so-and-so, even though they're not real. I'm just as in support of that as some celebrity or writer or author or whatever. I just said writer and author. Like, I think they're two different things. Um, all right, I'm gonna go a little, little off, off, uh, off the track. This is hard, so I'm just gonna start pulling stuff up. I want Robert Benchley. Mm-hmm. Who's Robert Benchley? He is a writer. Okay. From the 1920s and 30s that I'm obsessed with. Ooh, what does he write? He was like a, he was an essayist and a, a like a comic essayist, and I believe he won one of the very first Oscars. For a short film called How to Sleep. He's oh, very wonderful. I was obsessed with him. I gotta look into this gentleman. Um, some of the funniest essays you will ever read, like by by any stretch. So, uh, oh, God. I'm really, I'm suddenly really bad at this, even though I was just talking no, about this. No, this is what, day. no, no, this is what happens to us all. I did an interview with someone recently, and at, because they listened to my podcast, they were like, I'm gonna do MASH with you. And I was the worst mash uh, person ever. Like I, everything was stunting, silence, and and stat and like stammering. It was it was very ugly. It's like you panic and forget everything that you like. Yeah, You're like I don't absolutely. Know. What do I like? What are things? What is anything? Who? <laughs> what are words? What yes, are words? I agree. What's happening? Um, let's see. Uh, I'm gonna be boring. I'm just gonna say Sherlock just because I am really into it. And oh, I'm great. rewatching it a lot recently. Okay, so you're so you're specifically Benedict Cumberbatching it with the Sherlock. You know what? I'm going to specifically Benedict Cumberbatch yeah. it just because I had a big crush on Jeremy Brett oh, uh, when I was like a you know a preteen. I still was like he's so sexy and dramatic and wonderful. I met him. <laughs> you did when I was a teenager. I was so obsessed with him. <sighs> and I got to, I was oh, in London, and instead of going out drinking, I stood in front of a theater to meet. Jeremy I would have been right next to you in the fog like a maniac that is wonderful i'm so glad you did it and i assure you i would have been doing the same he was magic like he was oh oh, that's really good to hear he was so oh god he was he was just like everything an actor should be 
Oh, God. That's so great to hear. Oh, that's like when I met John Guare, for anyone who's a playwright fan. He was like the dreamiest dream when I was 18 or 19. It's like, It was definitely one of those, like, yes, do meet your hero sometimes kind of thing. Um, okay, great. So we got Robert Benchley. We got Sherlock. Yeah, and I, I, there was a bunch of musicians. But then, like, I was thinking about it. I'm like, oh... They're probably all kind of skeezy. I know, I know. But I do encourage you to look past that and say, like, my idealized version of blank. You know what I mean? Because it's your mash. So if it's, like, the version of so-and-so that you think probably isn't real but would be, you know, fictionalized into reality uh, in your fictional mass future, that's totally acceptable. Well, also, because she's not skeezy and just because she is my goddess, I'm just going to – I'm going to put Kate Bush in there. I'm going to throw her in there as well. Oh, I love it. Just because I love her. I do love Kate Bush also. I just want to love – stand near places she's been just as – Yeah. She's pretty amazing. I, I, I can get completely and totally on board with that. Okay, great. Uh, next question is going to be, um, well, let's do it. Let's do time travel. You can visit three places in the past, uh, or future, um, places and times for as long or short as you want as an observer or as an interactor. You know what I mean? I think about this a lot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I want to be in New York in, I believe, very middle of the seventies, even though I was technically alive then. Yeah. It's not the same as being an adult getting to sort of experience stuff it. I want to look at. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would like that a lot. Got it. Um, I'd like to, I'd like to be in Pompeii right before the eruption just to see what was going Ooh, on. Yeah. Yes. Obsessed with Pompeii as a kid. I want to, I want to know what's going on there. That's great. And then I uh, I want to go to uh, I'm going to go to like 1920s New York too. I want to see what that was going on there. Absolutely, absolutely, great, great, great. Okay, um, and then final category. A lot of pressure. Final category. Final category. <sighs> Boy, um, final category is. You know what? Let's because you skipped out on musicians when we were talking. And I mean, obviously, you ended up with Kate Bush, which but you but we both like obviously love and respect her as a person. This can this is the opportunity for you to get some music in there, okay. and it's not anyone you have to hang out with. It's just the old soundtrack to your life. Sure. Three bands or musicians that um, create totally new music that is just made for you in in your sort of day to day. Whether it's like the way you feel. When you're on the subway or the way you feel when you're outside of New York someplace, you know, being in, wading through that water. I'm sweating now from. <laughs> okay. One, I just have to go with David Bowie off the top just because. Great. Lifelong obsession. Great. Then I'm going to go a little weird because I'm also obsessed with this band, but I just want to see what would happen. Mm. It would be very cheerful and kind of upbeat i want wings to do it i want to see what happens with that love it just a lot of sit like uh, linda mccartney duh, 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 duh. i just want to see <laughs> makes perfect sense to me i'm just i just want that and then um should be wouldn't it be nice to have somebody more contemporary that like anybody listening to this would be like why oh please if people don't know who paul mccartney and david bowie are we're in trouble we'll just why i just 
Well, I think we are in trouble because, <laughs> um, who else? Like this is a, this is a, oh, ABBA, of course. I'm a huge, yeah. Perfect. Super contemporary. But it's got to, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to bring it up to speed and, and do ABBA because um, <sighs> kids love ABBA. Like, yeah, uh, it's got to be like ABBA right around 1976. That's before it got rocky between them all. Okay. I got it. 76. I have to say uh, that I was in Tokyo and um, went up uh, on the top of the their Mori Museum, which is like there's a sky deck and you can sort of see the entire city. And they have music piping out onto the sky deck. Um, and, uh, and, and ABBA was playing and it, I, it couldn't have felt more like an amazing surreal experience. Like That's ABBA great. really put it over the top. That's my really put it over the top. Yeah. It was great. It was great. Apparently, okay. Apparently uh, in Sweden, um, one of, uh, I think it's Benny. I don't know if it's Benny or Bjorn owns a hotel and there's a dial on the walls of the hotel that if you turn it, ABBA music just comes piping out it into your room. Listen, I went to the ABBA Museum in Stockholm, so I will send you a picture of me um, in the they, because outside of it they have the band members with holes cut out, you know, where you oh. can stick your face in, and so I have a picture of me with my face stuck in as one of the members of ABBA. Uh, I can't wait to send that to you. I hope I don't forget. Okay, tell me when to stop. Uh, I am going to, I guess we can just cut this part out because usually I would pause this recording, but, um, I'm going to quickly, uh, do some math and reveal your 100% guaranteed mash future. Oh my God. Uh, pardon the silence while that happens. Okay. Oh my God. This is my future. Oh my God. This is as exciting as I thought it would be. Oh, I'm so glad. This is, oh, Oh, it's like all official sounding. Yeah, I hope you can hear the sound of it. (laughs) I know it's very, listen, I have a team of people here doing this math. Oh, I'm assuming it. They all have like those green. Your friend Sue is actually here. Your friend Sue is is in front of a blackboard. Yeah. Oh God. All right. Can you actually hear the sound of me like scratching yes. on the paper? That's hilarious. It's very mesmerizing. It's it's- <laughs> yes, this is my meditation. Okay. Well, getting close. Oh, boy. If you're listening right now, I just want to tell you that if you've ever dreamed of this moment happening to you, it really is this good. Oh, so maybe someday Janet will call me. you and then you'll be like, it's come. It's time. My time is, is now. And, um, I did have a, um, I had, a when I was doing a fundraiser for one of the episodes, um, to send money to the art of Elysium, I gave personalized mash, uh, I, I auctioned off personalized mash sessions and I have to say they were really fun. And I will also say that one of the people who, um, who bought one ended up becoming a really good friend of mine. She's now like someone I consider a close friend. We met through mash. It's a beautiful story. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, I finished it. I don't think we're going to have to pause through that because you said some very nice things that now I just want everyone to have to listen to. Okay, so uh, let me start with, boy, this is um, this is pretty good. I'm not going to lie to you. Number one, I want to congratulate you for your very close friendship with Auntie Mame. 
I want to now. Okay. So you, you have a lake house. I need to advise you that it is a shack, <laughs> uh-huh. but I feel like that could be when you think about these kind of like sweet little places in Connecticut and Vermont. I, I mean, I, to me, that seems like it's just like, it might be small, but it's still like cozy still and you're right there. on the lake. And I think it's terrific. And if you feel like you need something a little bit crazier, you're going to be spending a lot of time in your, um, uh, sort of like hobby place of employment at the Rocky Horror Mansion. Oh my God. So kind of got that oh, right there anyway. Life is so great. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how often you have the occasion to perform your duties as a nurse <laughs> in these various places. But rest assured, you are very experienced and are bringing much uh, joy and relief to the world. I hope so. Uh, so much so that you deserve a, p- a pizza party, a <gasps> classic pizza party. That's the one you were really craving anyway, it even was. though they've been out, down down and out a little bit uh, health-wise. So pizza party at the lake house or probably more likely pizza party at the Rocky Horror at Mansion. Friends, yes. Um, and I, uh, this, that kind of feels like it goes in line with the groovy, um, time traveling into New York in the seventies that you're going to be experiencing, Well, uh, coupled by the soundtrack, uh, provided by wings. Oh, it's amazing already. This is all very like just fun and adventure and it's a very energized uh, MASH feature. And you're sharing all of it with none other than Kate Bush. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I think you really hit it out of the park. You did a great job. so happy. Really, really, really good MASH work. Really good MASH work. Uh, well, how fun. I'm so glad we were able to do this. I'm sorry that we couldn't do it in person, but I'm so glad we did it. And I'm so glad I got a chance to at least meet you in person. I know I'll see you, uh, socially the next time I'm in New York, I feel sure. But, um, it was good to at least get a few minutes with, with you when we tried to do it. And I do want to give a special shout out also to Paula and her amazing gluten-free banana bread that she made for me. My friend Paula is your massive fan was like, I'm going to design one food that Janet can eat. She wrote me the most awesome JV Club mashish note and uh, and made an amazing banana bread. And I can't wait to get back to New York and hang out with you guys. Um, and I don't care what your health is. I will uh, make it work, whether I'm coming to you with uh, board games or meeting you out and about. Oh, it's so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. You're a rock star. Um. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast, Maureen. Uh, uh, I feel sure that many people who are listening to this already following you on Twitter. You have a very, very robust Twitter following. Your tweets are hilarious and great. Um, and I see that you spend so much time interacting with your fans, which I think is so cool. And I wish that I had was more on top of that time-wise with my, with my own stuff. But You're on um, the TV. Sometimes, sometimes on the TV, but, uh, but, but what, is there anything else that, that people need to know? I think that you have, uh, there's a, there's signed copies of a book coming out or just came out, right? Of yours. Uh, There's a book coming out. It's the third in a series. It's coming out on the, on, I almost said December, uh, February 10th. It's called the shadow cabinet. For those of you keeping track, that's six days before Maureen's and my birthday. Exactly. So it would be a wonderful present. If you're celebrating our birthday or the birthday Mm -hmm. of Kim Jong Il, it's a great way of celebrating. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right guys uh thank you so much maureen thank you so thank much you. and uh we'll talk to you next time on the podcast as always the jv club theme song is back before we were brittle by the amazing say hi now leaving nerdist.com